Hello and welcome to the Neshama Project podcast, where we explore spiritual tools for human thriving. Today, I would like to take a look at this week's Torah portion, the portion from the Hebrew Bible that is traditionally read this week, which is the second portion in the cycle of yearly readings, which is the portion about Noah's Ark, Parshat Noah, which also contains the story of the Tower of Babel. Today, I would like to bring uh, three short commentaries on uh, passages from this portion from the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of Hasidism, and one very short piece of a commentary from Menachem Nachem of Chernobyl, who was uh, from the generation after the Baal Shem Tov of Hasidic masters. I'm going to start with a reading of Genesis 6.16. Make an opening, Tsohar, in the ark, Teva. My father, the Baal Shem Tov, may he rest in Aden, illuminated this passage. He said that Teva actually means word. So it's the word for ark also means word. And the meaning of making an opening for the word is that one should be careful to bring light into the words that come from your lips. The verse continues, make bottom and second and third floors. This seems to be what my father related to me, saying that in every word are worlds, souls, and divinities. This is what is meant by teva, speech, which also has, at its most basic level, worlds. The second level is also known as Mishneh, secondary, which has the same letters as Neshama, soul. This is the level of souls. And the third level, Shalishim, is divinities, which is hinted at in the verse, Exodus 14.7, officers, Shalishim, ruling over all of them. Like the divine who rules over all things, all of these levels you should, quote, make, unquote. The speech and the word coming out of your mouth should have this intention and be in complete faithfulness, knowing that in each act of speech there are bottom and second and third levels, the worlds, souls, and divinities. Be attentive to this. So what does this really mean for us today? I think it means just what he said in the end, that we should be very attentive to our speech because there are levels upon levels upon levels that come from the words that we speak. We create worlds with our words, meaning we can create whole physical realities through the words that we say. But he's saying it's actually even deeper than that. We create souls and divinities, right? So we can create spiritual realities. We can create realities that exist in the world of ideas, in the world of dreams, in the world of spiritual inclinations, in the world of emotions. And we can create divinities, which to me, that's like the deepest level. Like we can create whole ways of being in the world. We can create... Um, entire belief systems, entire systems of belief. Uh, And you can interpret this in whatever way you'd like to interpret it, but I think the main point here is that our speech 
is so powerful and contains so much. And we throw it around often in, in a casual, nonchalant way. Um, and we all do, right? We all say words that we don't mean. We all throw out words. We all speak words of gossip and slander and, and anger. We all speak when out of, out of destructive emotions like anger and jealousy and anxiety. And I think what this is teaching us is that the words that we speak are very important, that they can actually double back and help create our thoughts and recreate our thoughts, and they can create things in the world, the world of action, right? There's this three-level thing, thought, speech, and action, which exists in Judaism and in Buddhism. And there are three levels of reality, right? That thought leads to speech, leads to action. But I think there's also the level of speech going doubling back and leading to thought uh, and then going forward and also leading to action. So speech is very important. Um, I often like to follow the general rubric of THNK. So before you th speak, think, is your are your words true, helpful, necessary, and kind? And if they are, then speak. Um, but if they're not, then maybe you should reformulate your words. Here's another interpretation from Baal Shem Tov, uh, also very similar about words. This is also uh, Genesis 6.16. The Baal Shem Tov, may his memory guard us, would explain the verse, Genesis 6.16, make an opening, Tsohar, for the Ark Teva. Tsohar actually means light, and Teva actually means speech. This means that when a person wants to speak, they must be sure that their thought illuminates the words first, because thought, machshava, is the same letters and connected to chashav ma, think of the object. So here's part of that formulation I was talking about before, right, that thought, speech, and action. Uh, here it's sort of saying that, he's sort of saying that our thoughts really do influence our speech. And so before we speak, we need to think very deeply about what we're about to say, what we're going to say. And I think this begs the question of what it is that we think, right? We also have to guard our thoughts, and we also have to sort of be conscious of the power of our thoughts to create words, to create realities. So we should also be careful about um, our destructive thoughts and emotions that come through our head, uh, not to push them away, but also not to sort of grasp onto them or hold them either or be ruled by them, right? We have to sort of be mindful of them, uh, these strong emotions and thoughts and speech feelings uh, that we have, uh, and we have to not act out of them or even speak as a result of them, but just be conscious and aware of them. And eventually, many of these uh, d 
destructive emotions and destructive thoughts will dissipate on their own. And there's a great power in realizing that these things are impermanent. And that when we watch them, we realize just like a, a tide, you know, ebbs and flows, these thoughts and these emotions uh, and these feelings that we have that arise, arise in our mental life, they come and go. Uh, they ebb and they flow. And it might seem so important in a moment that we're, we're just consumed by this feeling that we need to speak out of anger or, or some sort of strong emotion. But the truth is that we... Uh, we don't, and and this strong emotion will actually dissipate if we let it sort of play out on its own and are mindful of it. We don't have to push it away. As soon as we're mindful of it, it will it will ebb on its own. So here's the third piece from the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov said that one who reads from the Torah and sees the light of the letters in the Torah, if even they didn't understand the cantillation correctly, since they had read with great love and great passion, the Holy One is not exacting with the reader, even though the words weren't read correctly. This can be compared to a young child beloved by her father. When she asks for something from her father, even if she stutters and makes mistakes, the father has great joy. Therefore, when one says words of Torah with love, the Holy One has much love towards them and isn't exacting, isn't as exacting to whether they spoke correctly as our rabbis of blessed memory taught in the Song of Songs 2.4. His banner, D-Glow of Love, is over me. Don't read this word as D-Glow, but as Li-Glu-Glow. His mockery of love is over me. So I think what this is saying uh, is sort of an interesting point, that uh, intentions matter. Uh, we might not always say things perfectly correctly. Uh, we might not always read Torah correctly. We might not always know exactly the right words to say, but what's important is our intention. And this brings up a really interesting sort of debate, which is um, how much do intentions matter, right? I've often heard people say it's the impact that matters, not the intention of our words. And what this seems to be saying is that intentions actually do matter. It's not just the impact, it's the intentions. Um, so if we are speaking out of good intentions, if we are trying to say something with good intentions, um, it's the intentions that are of utmost importance and value. And I think this speaks back to the idea of being careful of our speech so if we are careful with our speech, um, when we, God forbid, make a mistake uh, in the way that we speak, uh, we need to remember that the most important thing is the intention, is what, what our intention was behind that speech. And if our intention was for truth and help, being helpful and being necessary and being kind, uh, and it didn't come out that way, then we can correct that uh, as best as we can. But, but it's really the intention that matters. There's a very famous phrase, Rahmana Libabai, that the uh, compassionate one, God, uh, desires our heart. Uh, 
that it's the heart that's important, that it's the inner intention that's important, not necessarily uh, how it how it manifests itself. And we can always, as I said, correct the manifestation as long as the intention is really there. And I and I would say the opposite may be also true that you know even if you're saying things that are are good or even if you are. Uh, engaging in actions that seem to have a good impact if you have bad intentions um, I think you know the tradition would say that that it's uh, it's n sort of problematic so we'll leave it at that uh, the power of speech and thought and action is is a topic I could spend this entire podcast every single episode talking about and many I probably will but I think for now uh, just to open up this topic is important that our words matter and they're of utmost importance and our intentions matter as well uh, so the second topic I'd like to look at is from a very, very short piece of a much longer commentary from Menachem Nachem of Chernobyl. And this, is, this one is about eating. And again, I think there's this general theme uh, that I'm approaching today, which are these sort of very uh, seemingly simple actions that we perform every day actually have a very deep, very uh, powerful impact on ourselves and the world and and joy and an end of suffering to ourselves and to the world. So this one is a commentary on uh, also the also from Noah uh, Genesis 6 um, uh, I think it's verse 11 the earth was filled with violence. It is written, The one who robs their father and mother is a companion to the destroyer. Proverbs 28-24 The one who takes pleasure in this world without blessing the Holy Blessed One is, as it were, one who robs their divine parent. They are a companion to, to Jeroboam, who led Israel into sin. And this is, uh, Jeroboam is sort of the classic sinner who leads a multitude into sin. Uh, if you want to see a Talmudic source about this, it's Babylonian Talmud, Brachot 35b. Uh, and the Talmudic source has the figure of, of Jeroboam as uh, being almost demonic. Uh, and then in Kabbalistic literature, he becomes even more demonic. You can also look in Tormented Master from Art Green, page 27, note 33. So the one who takes pleasure in this world without blessing robs the divine. They're a companion to Jeroboam who led Israel into sin. It is known that the taste in all food and drink is derived from the sparks of holy souls which lie within them. The food and drink are but vessels to contain those souls. The one who performs an act of eating or drinking that is directed to heaven, making their table, quote, the table which is before yud vav Ezekiel 41.22, is truly bringing an offering, 
drawing down those souls again near, drawing those souls again near to their source not drawing them down but drawing them uh, and this is an, uh, an allusion to the Hebrew word for offering korban from the root kuf resh bet to draw near uh, and the notion that one's table is an altar is based on a reading of Babylonian Talmud Hagiga 27a. At the table, as in the marketplace, the, the simple Jew who lacks great learning may show themselves to be fully involved in a life of devotion. So if eating is not of this quality, God forbid, they destroy those souls, just as Jeroboam destroyed Israel. Thus, quote, the earth was filled, unquote, alludes to how one who has not broken their material self and is still filled with earth robs their parent. The violence that fills them is, th is that of robbing their own father and mother. I'm a little uh, disturbed by this sort of dichotomy between earth and um, the material self as being sort of a lower uh, a lower manifestation and the spiritual self as being a higher manifestation I think I'm a, I'm a little bit more into the idea of um, elevating the sparks within the material that are part of the material um, and that uh, this whole duality of the mind versus the body is a little disturbing to me um, there's a, you know it's not a strong illusion here but it's definitely here uh, and I would, uh, I would take from this sort of a one point, which is that when we eat, we should be mindful, we should be aware, we should be thankful uh, of the process of eating, of the flavors of the food that we're eating, and really um, engage in eating as a practice of awareness and mindful activity to elevate the practice of eating from something that is just simply fulfilling a base desire uh, that can be perhaps uh, selfish and um, gluttonous to something that is spiritual and you turning your table into an altar, right? That is, uh, the activity that you're doing is actually connecting you to higher purpose, to uh, God, to awareness of the universe, and ultimately to your own joy and end of suffering so that you can bring a, a joy and an end to suffering of other beings in this world. So, you know, it might seem that it's a very simple activity, eating, but again, by bringing awareness to our eating, and how we eat and our intentions behind our eating, again, this power of intention, uh, kavana in Hebrew, uh, is so, so important. And I would extend this idea to every activity that we engage in, from eating to speaking to drinking to walking to even doing the dishes or doing housework. There's a great phrase from the Zen masters, which is, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. And the idea here is that before you have the intention of enlightenment, before you have that sort of enlightened perspective, you're performing the everyday tasks, the everyday mundane tasks. Uh, but you're doing them 
in a different way, right? That after you're enlightened, you're, you're doing the same tasks, but you're doing them in an elevated way. You're doing them in a deeper, more meaningful way with that added intention. So with that, I'm going to draw this week's episode to a close. Thank you all for joining me, and um, I look forward to many, many more weeks. You can also check out, uh, I have a new podcast with Rabbi Shoshana Lisa and Rabbi Charna Rosenholtz called Four Worlds Torah. That's also available on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts, and hopefully other places as well. Feel free to search for that and check that out. Thank you for joining me. Until next time, this has been Rabbi Ben Newman with the Nishama Project Podcast. Take care.